Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where there is no offseason, and we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on September 5th. 2017 from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto. I'm back in Palo Alto. You never know where I'm going to be next. Well, you have a pretty good idea where I'm going to be. I'm going to be either in Palo Alto or Pasadena. Today I'm in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from a TNT Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Well, this is post-Labor Day. How do I know this? Because today I went grocery shopping with my dad. And when we went grocery shopping at the market in Menlo Park here in Northern California, we go to a place called Draeger's. You got a nice little plug for Draeger's. And when we went to Draeger's, I noticed something by the checkout when we were checking out what we were going to cook for dinner. There was all this Halloween stuff like witches and jack-o'-lanterns and skeletons and vampires and all the stuff that you'd expect to see for uh, Halloween and the little, you know, gravestones and everything. And I'm looking around going like, summer's over, not technically, because technically it still goes on to, I believe it's, what, the, the 20th, 21st? But psychologically, summer's over. Everyone's back to school now. It's September, Labor Day's come and gone. And, you know, I've made my pitch over and over again that the baseball season should end with Labor Day. But let me tell you something. If your team is currently in contention, and by in contention I mean two or three games out of a playoff spot, where you know a great weekend could catapult you into the postseason, then what you should do is you should write your team's general manager and say, thank you. Thank you. You gave us a year where during the summertime, those days in June, July, and August, right up past Labor Day, the idea of our team being a postseason team and being in contention was a reality. At this point in the year, if you're the general manager of your team and you're either in first place or within a weekend striking distance of first place, then take a bow, general manager. You did your job. At this point, it is basically down to chance. If you've got how much, how many more games do you have left at this point? I mean, you have less than 30 games. Virtually every team has, has fewer than 30 games left. If you have fewer than 30 games left, any good team can have a crap run. Any bad team can have a good run. You don't believe me? The L.A. Dodgers have gone on a horrific downturn recently. Yet, in this horrific downturn, they're still 12 and a half games up on Arizona. There's still virtually no scenario as badly as they've been playing and as incredibly well the Diamondbacks have been playing. There's virtually no scenario that doesn't have the Dodgers winning the NL West this year. But for every other team that's within striking distance, take a bow. Milwaukee, take a bow. The Brewers are a game and a half out of the wild card. Man, the, the, they've fallen three and a half back of the Cubs. But man, the, a, a poor showing by Colorado recently has opened up the possibility of the wild card. But hey, Colorado Rockies, take a bow. 
No one was expecting you guys to do piddly-poo. And if the season ended today, you'd be in the postseason. And even if it doesn't end today, and even if you don't make it, you gave your fans a summer. Yankee fans had a summer. Twin fans had a summer. Angels, Orioles, yeah, Rangers and Royals and Mariners. And yeah, even the Rays, you had a summer. You had a summer where going to the ballpark, like, we could do it, couldn't we? There's a chance we could do it. Now, of course, most of those teams won't. And a bad couple of weeks, like a bad 10-game stretch right now would completely demolish Seattle, Tampa, and Kansas City. And there will be people who will say things like, you know what? Kansas City blew it. Kansas City should have taken advantage of an incredible seller's market in the for the uh, trade deadline. They got greedy. They thought they'd have a chance to win. And instead, they fell far short of it. And they're going to regret having this opportunity to kickstart the rebuilding process. Yeah, but sometimes you don't get it. Yeah, they'd kickstart the rebuilding process if they traded away Hosmer and Moustakis and Kane and all those people. But do you know what they also gave? They have a bunch of fans who saw their team win the World Series a couple of years ago and win the pennant the year before that. And those fans had a summer. They had a summer where they could go to Royals games. They had a summer where they saw a couple of big home runs by Hosmer and a couple of those other players. They had a summer. And in so many ways... That's the GM's job. My job is to put together a team that hopefully will win it all. But at the very least, fans have a summer. Remember that summer? They were contending. That was fun going to the ballpark. I can't wait to go to the ballpark again next year. Or if the team starts to fall apart and then they get good again, say, hey, this is just like it was a couple of years ago. There are a couple of teams that are going to be all stinkerinos. Some, some teams didn't have summers. The A's fans, the Giants fans, both teams nearby here, were stinking it up. The Reds, the White Sox, they mainly had hope for the future. The Mets, oh God, who knows what the Mets had. Who knows what the Mets had. And pretty soon, the Detroit Tigers, who were big-time spenders for a long time, Mr. I is dead and you're going to have some lousy, lousy summers coming up for the next few years in Detroit. And for those Tiger fans, I'm sure some of them are going to look back and say, man, I miss when we had a summer. So, the general managers of the Red Sox, Yankees, Orioles, Rays, Indians, Twins, Royals, Astros, Angels, Rangers, yeah, the Mariners. All those GMs can take a bow. You gave your fans a summer. In the National League, there are fewer. The Nationals, Cubs, Brew Crew. You got the Cardinals, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Rockies. You can say Miami because of the excitement that Giancarlo Stanton gave the fans, but I think that's going to be pushing it. And the fact that the new Marlins ownership is going to slash payroll, and that's going to have to mean Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, it's going to be rough. They're going to, there's, there's the happiness and the euphoria of an ownership that is not 
Jeffrey Loria is going to be very short-lived when Marlin fans see that they're going to start dumping bodies over the side. But here we are. We are now in stretch time. And when you start saying things like, if the playoffs started today, um, it is big-time relevant. So if it started today, the Houston Astros, now with Justin Verlander, would play the winner of the Yankees versus the Twins. Again, it's an act of futility to pick the wild card game because it's just one game. As we've seen, there's some days the Yankees look like world beaters, possibly a pennant winner. And there's some days they look like a minor league team. I don't know, neither do you. There are some days the Twins look phenomenal, and there's some days they look like crap. So the winner of that will wind up playing Houston. And quite frankly, with Verlander and with Dallas Keuchel playing well and with a little bit of the narrative of their winning it for Houston, at this point I'd have to pick Houston. But it doesn't take a great amount of imagination to see how the Yankees or the Twins could upset Houston. Severino is pitching very well. Tanaka can pitch well like an ace from time to time. And Sabathia has actually pitched quite nicely recently, thank you very much. And Barrios and Santana have pitched quite well for the Twins. So there is a possibility for Astros upset. Meanwhile, the Indians have played, will play the Red Sox. I don't know if you've noticed the Indians, have, even without Andrew Miller, everything's clicking. Everything's clicking. You're not going to find a bigger Red Sox fan than me. And I think that if the Red Sox played the Indians, I'd say Indians in four. And if Chris Sale is really starting to slump or wear down, then it might be Indians in three. Kluber's not going to lose. Their bullpen, even without Miller, is solid. And Jose Ramirez is, I don't know, kind of awesome now. I mean, their, their lineup is so balanced. They're getting good starting pitching from places you're not expecting. And they have a chip on their shoulder. I Right now, I don't see any American League team beating the Indians. I really don't. I think they're too balanced. I'm a Red Sox fan. I think they'll clobber the Red Sox. I think they would clobber the Twins. I think they would clobber the Yankees. I think Houston versus Cleveland with Verlander would be a good series. But in the end, I think Cleveland's a better team. They'll be going into this final month, and you have a team to beat in the American League. And it's actually become a hell of a lot more interesting in the National League. As the Cubs look like they're going to win the division right now, but they're going to do so with a much thinner pitching staff than they had last year. And the Cubs are going to play the Nationals. Now, the Nationals may not have Bryce Harper. You're removing their best player from them. Fine. Have you seen the season Anthony Rendon is having? Have you seen the season that Gio Gonzalez is having? Daniel Murphy can still hit? Have you seen the fact that Gio Gonzalez is arguably the Cy Young Award winner this year, and he may be the number three starter? Because Scherzer's going to be number one, and chances are Strasburg is going to be number two. And friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle, has been pretty good. Even if Bryce Harper is reduced to pinch hitting, right now, I think the lane to the pennant is going to go through Washington. Now, 
The Dodgers are getting Clayton Kershaw back. The Dodgers have lost a bunch of games recently, but do you know what? They're still going to wind up winning 100-some-odd games, winning the division somewhat easily. And this could just be, hey, look it. Maybe they weren't going to win 120 games or whatever. They'll only wind up winning 104 or 105, which at the beginning of the year, you'd say, hmm, the Dodgers may go on and win the most games in the history of the franchise. Of a pretty successful franchise, if I may add that, thank you very much. So I think when you take a look at this team, that they're going to wind up having the most wins of any team in the history of the Dodgers organization. And it may not, okay, so they won't win 115 games. You know, they got a little bit of their losing out of their system there. Oh, that's interesting and that's fine. But the way, and so, okay, it would be Los Angeles would play the winner of the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies. And the uh, Brewers are just kind of on the, just on the outside looking in. Now, the Diamondbacks, who right now have a better record than the division-leading Cubs, have suddenly made, well, they've made their presence known with this huge winning streak that they're having and the fact that you have Robbie Ray, you have Zach Greinke, you have Patrick Corbin. You suddenly have a team that is loaded in the starting pitching staff. And even if Paul Goldschmidt has an injury or two right now, they still have a tremendous lineup as well. This Diamondbacks team in a short series, if you go Grinky, Ray, Corbin in a short series, they could knock off a Dodgers team. They could even knock off a Nationals team. I'm saying that we as a country have to be prepared for the possibility of the World Series being the Cleveland Indians versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now that may not excite you. To me, I think that's a fun World Series because I'm a baseball fan. And I think the Indians are super fun to watch. And I think Zach Grinke is fun to watch as a starting pitcher. And I think that the, you know, Paul Goldschmidt and all the terrific players they have in Arizona are great to watch. I like watching baseball. In terms of narratives, that may be a tough sell. But do you know what? I don't care. I like good baseball. Now, am I picking two teams right now? Right now, the two teams to beat are Cleveland and I'll say it, Washington. With that starting pitching staff, I don't think, I think that, yeah, L.A. is going to be amazing. But you have two teams that have had some October ghosts recently. The Nats have had their bullpen yips, and they're hoping that those will be cured from friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle, and some of the other recent acquisitions they've had for the Nationals. For L.A., their yips have been Clayton Kershaw, who have lost, who's lost critical postseason games in 2013, 2014, 2015, and last year. Critical, as in facing elimination. And the October legacy of the Nationals is of... They, they'll have the lead, but the bullpen will find a way to blow it. The October legacy of this Dodgers team is, yeah, they put together great regular seasons, but you can't rely on Clayton Kershaw in October. And so this could very well be the showdown of which one of those two franchises may get over the hump. And in the end, we could look up and say, well, 
welcomed the nationally champion Arizona Diamondbacks. And we're going to have to find a way to be good with that if it happens. This Diamondbacks team is for real. They are not a pushover. They are not a team that you look at and go like, well, you know, they're just happy to be here. Now, of course, they could be a wildcard team, and all of a sudden they play Colorado, and like I said in the American League, it is an act of futility to pick the wildcard game because you could win that game and run on to win the World Series like the San Francisco Giants did in 2014. Or you can lose the wildcard game and everyone will have forgotten you were even there. Who were the wildcard losers last year? Who were they? Now, both wildcard games last year turned out to be amazing games. The Giants won with a three-run homer in the top of the ninth, and the uh, Blue Jays won an extra innings on the walk-off homer by Edward Encarnacion. Which teams did they beat? Well, you probably remember Buck Showalter didn't use Britain when he had a chance with a season on the line. So maybe some of you remember Baltimore. And maybe some of you remember the fact that it was Bumgarner matched up with Syndergaard, so it was the Mets. Okay. I'm guessing most people don't remember who loses the wild card game. So the Arizona Diamondbacks could very well be the National League champion for 2017 or be a team that you go like, the Diamondbacks were a playoff team? Oh my God, I totally forgot about that. That's quite a spread. If the Diamondbacks win the wildcard game, do you want to face that pitching staff in a best of five series? Do you want to face that pitching staff where losing one of the first two games at home means you have stubbed your toe and lost home field advantage in the first round? I wouldn't. And if that game one of the division series is Grinky versus Kershaw and Grinky wins, it will be an absolute gut check time for this L.A. Dodger team that has already been anointed as one of the great teams of all time, even though they've won exactly diddly at this point. It's made for a fascinating September that we're looking at, but those GMs take a bow. Now, I'm not going to go do this podcast and not address the thing that everyone in their moose has been forwarding my way. Evidently, the Boston Red Sox have been using some form of iWatch, Apple Watch, something, to steal signs. And that's bringing people up all in a kerfuffle. It's deflate gate or whatever all over again in New England. Now, I will point out, I don't really follow the NFL. I couldn't give a rat's ass about deflate gate. I was happy when the Patriots won those Super Bowls, but I don't really care. I don't really care. I also don't give Deflategate any thought at all because, quite frankly, there are gigantic problems in the NFL. Gigantic. Social problems, medical problems, health problems, whatever. And the idea that anyone would give more thought to whether or not Tom Brady slightly deflated a football compared to the other real problems in the NFL is borderline madness. But I'll tell you something I find fun. 
If this is true and the Red Sox were stealing signs, first of all, it sure as hell didn't work against the Yankees this last weekend when the Yankees took three out of four and two of those games were absolute ass whoopings. So, I mean, they, they better do a better, they better upgrade whatever software they're using because if they were trying to steal signs and they lose 9-1 to one or 9-2 or whatever the hell this final score was on national television, do you know what? Uh, it ain't working. But the other thing is, isn't this cheating fun? Think of it. We've always praised cheaters in baseball. From Gaylord Perry's spitball to, you know, the way that pitchers would scuff the ball or the way that Jason Grimsley stole the cork bat of Albert Pujols. There's always part of cheating in baseball. And the idea that Sign stealing. That's, I always thought that was part of the game. I remember there was a part of Ken Burns' baseball where George Will was talking about the intelligence of Willie Mays as a baseball player. And one of the things he used to show the incredible intelligence of Willie Mays was the fact that he successfully stole signs while at second base. Well, isn't that part of the game? I mean, the fact that the pitcher doesn't yell, hey, what, you know, the picture on the mound says, hey, Buster Posey, what should I throw? And Buster Posey doesn't yell back, you know, how about uh, throw a curveball inside? Okay. Yeah, the fact that they use signs and they need an indicator, they need this, shows that they're secretly giving messages to each other. And if you can figure out what those messages are, if you can get a, a leg up, Say, oh, this guy's tipping their pitches. This guy's doing this, this guy's doing that. Isn't that part of the game? And this is harmless in many ways. It is not about injecting hormones into your body that you don't know what they do. This is not about gambling. This is not about doing drugs. This is about doing something silly to try to get a leg up in the game. Am I condoning it? Maybe a little. Would I be mad if were the Yankees doing it against the Red Sox? No, no, probably not. Because it's about, it's silliness. It's goofy cheating. You know, I think it was Chris Sabo, was it? Who had his bat hollowed out and filled with rubber balls and the broken bat and the rubber balls went flying everywhere or the cork bat that Sammy Sosa had you know or Joe, uh, Joe Necro having the emery board in his back pocket and he tried to fling it out of the way of the umpire said, oh, there's nothing in there and we all saw what he did that's you know like uh, <laughs> Michael, uh, uh, Pineda of the Yankees having the big glob of, <laughs> of pine tar in his neck. And they're like, yeah, you've got pine tar. You're like, yeah, I got pine tar in my neck. You know, try to hide it like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Clay Buckles would have it in his hair. At least try to, you know, don't make it so obvious. You know, when you look at the cheating in baseball and the one-upmanship in baseball and you see it in a way that is, doesn't really inflict harm, 
you know, if the Red Sox are penalized for it or any players are suspended, fine, okay, I understand it, I get it. I get it, the same way Pineda gets thrown out of the game when he's got a glob of pine tar on his neck. You know, and he got caught for that. And in the end, it's something we laugh at. It's something, ah, they tried that, didn't quite work. And that's part of the culture in baseball, part of the culture from the fact that you have fake bunt hit and runs and pickoff moves. And the fact that a curveball exists, that it looks like it's one thing and deceives the batter. It's all part of the game. The Red Sox did this, okay. If they're suspended, yep, man, you caught us, you got us. There's probably all sorts of shit that's going on. Sorry, Ray, but there's probably all sorts of shit that's going on cheating-wise, edge-wise, that we'll never know about. That we're just scratching at the surface. The surface of an eye watch of the stuff that's going on. And the only time we'll ever learn about it is when someone gets caught. And when the person who gets caught is thinking, I probably shouldn't say anything because we're doing the same thing too. It's refreshing. After all the sanctimonious hand-wringing over the steroid era and what does this mean or what does that mean or is this person suspended or that person suspended, to get back to this. I'm all for this. Not the cheating part, but the fact that the cheating is relatively harmless. Someone, I posted something along those lines on Twitter and someone said, are you calling PEDs harmful? And I said, well... It's more harmful than an Apple Watch. I don't know what the stuff you're injecting into your ass is doing. If you're putting stuff in that's designed for cows and you're putting your body in, it's causing your, your, your testicles to shrivel up. That's a medical term, right? And that you, you are, can do damage to your body and your brain and everything. An Apple Watch doesn't do any damage to your body. Buying one may hurt your brain because so why the hell did I spend this much money on a goddamn watch? I'm swearing a lot, Ray. I'm sorry, but this is funny. This is fun. I hope, I hope more than anything that people kick and scream saying the Red Sox World Championship in 2017 is tainted because of the iWatch controversy. Do you why I would love that? Because that would mean the Red Sox won the World Series in 2017. And y'all can go kiss my ass. And buy me an iWatch along the way. I thought, so that's, are they iWatches or Apple Watch? I don't know. I don't know. I have an iPhone. And it works just fine. Thank you very much. All right, we've got baseball games starting up soon. And uh, I'm almost done writing the cards of the day for the year if you've been following along on SullyBaseball.com. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. And thanks to Jason Keidel of WFAN for telling me about this whole cheating thing with the Red Sox. I know he's a huge Yankee fan, and he's probably getting some glee. This has been the Sully Baseball Podcast for the fifth day of September 2017. If your team's in contention, thank your GM. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.